Good afternoon, everyone. Today we're going to continue with our series of sermons on the holy days and how they relate to the plan of salvation. And uh, we'll be discussing the Sabbath today, the weekly Sabbath. <clears throat> Keeping the weekly Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. That ought to indicate to us the importance God places on keeping the Sabbath. Yet it is shocking but true that most people who claim to believe in the God of the Bible do not keep the Sabbath. If they observe any day at all as a day of rest from secular labor, it is not the Sabbath that God commanded to be kept. God commanded the ancient people of Israel to keep the Sabbath, but most of them did not keep it either. As a result of Sabbath breaking and other sins, the inheritance God gave the Israelites was taken from them and they were sent into a national captivity. As we read in Ezekiel 20, beginning with verse 23, Ezekiel 20 and verse 23, also I raised my hand, this is God, speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, I raised my hand in an oath to those in the wilderness that I would scatter them among the Gentiles and disperse them throughout the countries because they had not executed my judgments but had despised my statutes, profaned my Sabbaths, and their eyes were fixed on their father's idols. So because they had not kept the laws of God and the Sabbath is especially mentioned here as one of the laws they were breaking, they were dispersed throughout the countries. And because they had forgotten the Sabbath, they forgot who they are. And most of the people alive today who are descended from Jacob or Israel do not know their own national origin. So in today's sermon, I want to discuss the weekly Sabbath and its meaning. And in this chapter, we're going, or in this uh, sermon, we're going to discuss several diff different questions regarding the Sabbath. And the questions are, who made the Sabbath? Why was the Sabbath created? Who was the Sabbath made for? When is the Sabbath? And finally, what is the meaning of the Sabbath for you? So let's begin with who made the Sabbath. We read in Genesis 2, beginning with verse 2, Genesis 2 and verse 2, on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. <clears throat> And you can read the works that he did in chapter 1 of Genesis. And then it says, God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. It's Genesis 2, beginning with verse 2. Genesis 2 and verse 2 tells us that God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he rested. 
from all the work, the creative work which he had been doing. The Sabbath was set aside as holy time from the creation of human beings. The Sabbath day was different from the other days of the creation week. God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. The word sanctify means to set apart as holy. God specifically set apart the seventh day, making it a holy day. A day set aside for a holy purpose. And we read th uh, three times in Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, we read three times that God did not work on that seventh day. So the emphasis is that this was a day of rest. It was God's Sabbath rest. Some people foolishly dispute this interpretation, saying this was not the origin of the commanded day of rest, noting that the word Sabbath isn't mentioned here. However, it actually is. The Hebrew word translated rested is a form of the Hebrew word Shabbat, the root word for Sabbath. And Shabbat means to cease or to rest and may include the meaning of keep Sabbath. It may, depending on the context, include the meaning of keep Sabbath, as it clearly does here. You can check that out in Strong's Concordance Hebrew-English Lexicon or in the Brown Driver Briggs Hebrew-English Lexicon and probably others as well. It is from this that the Sabbath gets its meaning as a day of rest. So to paraphrase the account in Genesis 2, we might read it this way, God Sabbathed, or it could be kept a Sabbath on the seventh day from all his work. The Hebrew language is clear and unambiguous in its intent, and this is made even more clear when we compare Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11, because in Exodus 20 and verse 11, it says, In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, clearly showing that the Sabbath day was the day that was blessed on that occasion in the creation week. So who, who made the Sabbath? God made the Sabbath. Now, the question is, why was the Sabbath created? Why was the Sabbath created? The Sabbath commandment has a multifaceted purpose, both spiritual and physical. Some of the purposes served by the Sabbath include, as we will discuss them in order, beginning with the first one. Number one, the Sabbath identifies the Creator, the Supreme Maker of all things. 
The Sabbath identifies the Creator, the Supreme Maker. It tells us who the Creator is. In Exodus 20, beginning with verse 8, Exodus 20 and verse 8, God said to the Israelites as He was giving them His laws, and these laws are really for all of us, He said, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then going, skipping down to verse 11, it goes on to say, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. It is a required weekly remembrance that a higher power and authority is at work in our lives and in the lives of all humanity. God intended that the Sabbath be observed as a reminder of that fact, that there is a Creator God. The Sabbath command is found in the Scriptures that identify the true God as the eternal God, the God who revealed Himself to Abraham and later to his descendants, and left through them a record of his creative acts and his dealings with mankind. That's how we come to know that there is a Sabbath, that there is a Creator God. It is through the Word that was preserved through the descendants of Abraham. And it is this God who is not only the God of Israel, but the God of creation, who is identified by the Sabbath. So the Sabbath identifies for us who is the true God. Secondly, the Sabbath is an identifying sign of God's people. It identifies who God is. It also identifies who are the people of God. When the people of Israel were brought out of slavery in Egypt by the hand of God, they entered into a covenant with God to obey His Word and thus be a holy people, a model nation, to set an example for the other nations of the earth because all nations had strayed from obedience to the Creator and had lost sight of Him. God said to the people of Israel, as He spoke to them through, his, uh, through Moses, His servant, He said in Exodus 19, in verse 5, Exodus 19, verse 5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now notice this was a conditional promise. He said, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you would be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. They, they were intended to be a kingdom of priests, of teachers, to set an example, to teach the rest of the world how to relate to God. 
based on their keeping of the covenant that God was making with them. The laws given for them to keep as his covenant nation included the Sabbath. And as long as they kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath would be a sign between them and God that they were a people sanctified by God for his holy purpose. We read in Exodus 31, beginning with verse 13, Exodus 31, verse 13, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Notice the Sabbath was to be a sign between God and his people that he had sanctified them. Now, we need to understand that other people, not only the Israelites, but other people may enter into a covenant relationship with God as well. And actually by keeping the same terms as were given to the people of Israel in the wilderness. Other people may enter into the covenant relationship with God if they submit to him and obey his laws, including the Sabbath. We read in Isaiah 56, Isaiah chapter 56, beginning with verse 2. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Do not let the son of the foreigner, the non-Israelite, who has joined himself to the Lord, speak saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. Notice what the, the conditions are. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. That means keep his laws. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain, will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, Yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. As the Sabbath was intended to be an identifying sign between Israel and God under the Old Covenant, 
So it is also under the new covenant. The Sabbath made from creation by God still remains a sign of the creator God and helps to identify his people. That includes those who are God's people today. Not just the people of Israel, but all of those who have entered into this covenant relationship with God and to keep the Sabbath. Now, the, the third purpose served by the Sabbath that we're discussing here today is that the Sabbath provides for needed rest. The Sabbath provides for needed rest. In Deuteronomy 5, verse, beginning with verse 13, we read, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. So the Sabbath was to be a day of rest for everybody. Everybody. God rested or ceased on the seventh day from physical creative work and instead did the spiritual work of creating the Sabbath. Now God himself is all-powerful and eternal. God does not need to rest. We read in Psalm 121 and verse 4, Psalms 121 and verse 4, He who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. That's God. He who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. However, human beings and other physical creatures need rest. God decreed that not only human beings, but also animals used for work, such as oxen, donkeys, and other animals, commonly used throughout history for work which, such as plowing, grinding, carrying burdens, and so forth, were to rest on the Sabbath. Now, part of that may have been for the animals themselves, but it also takes into account that if the animal is working in such circumstances, then the servant or someone else is working as well. In other words, a human being is working. But no doubt such animals need a rest to their physical creatures and they get tired and worn out just like human beings do. A day of rest once a week for human beings produces a number of benefits in terms of physical and mental health as well as spiritual vitality. The Sabbath teaches us that there is more to life than just physical work or the pursuit of pleasure and material things. Resting from secular labor on the Sabbath gives us extra time to commune with God, with extra time spent in prayer and Bible study, and to draw closer to our families and fellowship with friends and brethren of like mind. Notice how Paul and his companions 
spent part of the Sabbath day when they were staying in Philippi. As we read in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 13, Acts 16, verse 13, on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. So here was a river outside of the city of Philippi where, the, where Paul and his companions were at the time. And uh, evidently there were women who gathered there on the Sabbath day to rest and to visit, no doubt. And they came and joined the group and rested and conversed with the women who were, were there uh, fellowshipping with one another. When the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, they were not given a day of rest. The Sabbath rest reminds us that God is our liberator and that in Him is freedom from oppression. God commanded the Israelites in Deuteronomy 5, Deuteronomy 5 verse 15, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Keeping the Sabbath day, resting on the Sabbath day, reminds us that God frees us from slavery. It should serve as a weekly reminder to those who are converted and who have received the Holy Spirit that they have been freed from slavery to sin. As we read in Galatians 5, verse 13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The fourth purpose that we will discuss for the Sabbath is that the Sabbath allows time for a holy convocation. In other words, for congregational worship on the holy day. In Leviticus 23 and verse 3, Leviticus 23 and verse 3, God instructed six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. The word convocation simply means an assembly, a gathering, a holy convocation. Notice it's not just any assembly or gathering, it's a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So the Sabbath is a day for the people of God to assemble and to be instructed in his word. Jesus regularly attended congregational assemblies in the synagogues or meeting halls where the Jews commonly met for congregational worship on the Sabbath. There are actually several references to this in the New Testament. For example, in Mark 1, verse 21, when they went, came, uh, when they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he, and the reference here is to Jesus, he, Jesus, entered the synagogue and taught. 
on the Sabbath. Matthew 12, verse 9. Matthew 12, verse 9, when he, again speaking of Jesus, when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That they might accuse him. Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. This was a Sabbath day, and Jesus was teaching and healing on the Sabbath. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 2, Mark 6 and verse 2, when the Sabbath had come, he, and again this is reference to Jesus, began to teach in the synagogue. In the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? And then in Luke 4 and verse 16, again it's speaking here of Jesus, and it says, Luke 4 and verse 16, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was. So these weren't just rare occasions that this occurred, this type of thing. It says, as his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So there's no doubt that Jesus Christ kept the Sabbath faithfully. And this is just a sampling of the scriptures that show that Jesus did indeed keep the Sabbath by attending a congregational service on the Sabbath. The Apostle Paul also kept the Sabbath by attending congregational services. We read in Acts 13 and verse 14, Acts 13 and verse 14, but when they departed from Perga, this is speaking of Paul and his companions, when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And then it goes on to relate how Paul gave a sermon there on that occasion in the synagogue. And then in Acts 13 and verse 42, Acts 13, verse 42, it says, When the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that those, these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, this was, an Antioch, uh, this was a, uh, a Gentile city, Antioch and Pisidia. And remember, the Jews had been scattered across much of the world and throughout the Roman Empire especially, but in many other parts of the world as well at that time. And they had established synagogues and cities all over the world. 
one of them was in Antioch and Pisidia. And in these synagogues were not only people who were ethnic Jews, that is, they had been uh, descended from Judah, the tribe of Judah, but in the synagogues, especially in Gentile areas, there were Gentiles who became converts to, to the faith. And so here the Jews had left the synagogue, but the Gentiles who remained behind, who were there as part of the regular congregation begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And then it goes on to say, verse 43, Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes, the proselytes would be Gentiles, followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Later on, when Paul was in Corinth, we read in Acts chapter 18, verse 4, Acts 18, verse 4, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So the Sabbath provides time for a congregational assembly and other uh, activities that are fitting for the Sabbath on the holy day. The fifth reason in our list here is for the Sabbath is that the Sabbath is a type of the millennial rest of God's kingdom. The Sabbath is a type of the millennial rest of God's kingdom. In other words, it has prophetic significance as well as historical significance, as do all of the festivals of God that incorporate Sabbath days, of which there are seven. I should say seven annual festivals in addition to the Sabbath. According to Scripture, the Sabbath days are, as it says in Colossians 2 and verse 17, Colossians 2 and verse 17, the Sabbath days are, not were, but are, a shadow of things to come. They're a shadow of things to come. They're a shadow of the future, future events. The holy days are a shadow, or as the Greek word skia, which is translated shadow here, means a sketch or an outline of things to come. They reveal the unveiling of God's plan as it is being worked out in the course of time. This includes both the weekly Sabbath as well as the annual Sabbath. All have a part in revealing and unveiling the plan of God. Now, the Greek word skia, as defined in Thayer's lexicon, means this, quote, 
a shadow, in other words, an image cast by an object and representing the form of that object opposed to some of the thing itself, hence equivalent to a sketch, outline, adumbration. Adumbration simply means a foreshadowing or a prefiguring. So the Sabbath is a prefiguring of future events. Now, Satan, the devil, we're told in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, is the God of this age. Jesus referred to Satan several times as the ruler of this world. The ruler of this world. That's in John 12, verse 31, 14, verse 30, and 16, verse 11. Jesus said of Satan that he is a liar and the father of it. And Satan is one who deceives the whole world. He's a liar and he's a deceiver. And he has deceived the whole world according to John 8 verse 44 and Revelation 12 verse 9. Jesus said that Satan is a murderer John 8, verse 44, and an oppressor who rules in anger. In Isaiah 14, verses 4 and verse 6. He is called in Revelation 9, verse 11, by the Hebrew term abaddon, and also by the Greek word apollyon, which are words in different languages which have the same meaning. And that meaning is, in English, destroyer. Satan is a destroyer. He is one who leaves destruction in his path everywhere he goes. This age of man doing his own works and that of Satan, the ruler of man, the ruler of mankind, the ruler of this world, that age has lasted about 6,000 years. And it has been a sorry and woeful record of bloody wars, misrule, crime, oppression, poverty, disease, suffering, curses, and death. The weekly Sabbath prefigures or foreshadows another age, an age in the future when Satan's oppressive rule and the burden of slavery to sin for mankind will be replaced by a new age of peace, of righteousness and abundance for all under the rulership of Jesus Christ. It will be a rest from the evils of this present age. We read in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 4 and verse 4, for he has spoken of a in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience.
Now notice how Paul, who I believe authored the book of Hebrews, mentions that the seventh day on which God rested, the Sabbath day, is a reference to a rest, another rest that we must enter. So he is tying the Sabbath together as symbolic as, 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 as a figure of this rest that he's speaking of here in this chapter, chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews. He goes on to say in verse 9, there remains therefore a rest, and the Greek word here for rest is sabbatismos, which means literally Sabbath keeping. There remains therefore a rest or Sabbath keeping for the people of God. For he who has, in, has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now what is that rest that is, is uh, mentioned here in connection with the weekly Sabbath? rest the Bible foretells a millennium which is a period of a thousand years during which after Jesus Christ returns to earth he will reign as king of kings over the earth for a thousand years the resurrected saints of God, those who were converted and remained faithful in this age, will rule with him under his authority during that thousand-year period. So we read in Revelation 20 and verse 6, Revelation 20 and verse 6, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. The historian Edward Gibbon comments in discussing the beliefs of the primitive church or the church of the first century and early second century he said this, and this is from, uh, from the History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, chapter 15, by Edward Gibbon. He wrote, The ancient and popular doctrine of the millennium was intimately connected with the second coming of Christ. As the works of creation had been finished in six days, their duration in this present state, according to a tradition which was attributed to the prophet Elijah, was fixed to 6,000 years. By the same analogy, it was inferred that this long period of labor and contention, which was now almost elapsed, would be succeeded by joyful Sabbath of a thousand years, and that Christ, with the triumphant band of the saints, and the elect who had escaped death 
or who had been miraculously revived would reign upon earth till the time appointed for the last and general resurrection. Could it be then that since the weekly Sabbath pictures the millennium, that a period of 6,000 years might be pictured by the first six days of the week and that a full week might be pictured by the 6,000 years of man's works under Satan's rule followed by a Sabbath of rest under Jesus Christ. Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So certainly the Bible does not exclude the idea that indeed we are about to near the end of 6,000 years of human misrule and enter a new age. An age of a thousand years of rest under Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not change the Sabbath day. On the contrary, th throughout his ministry, he showed the true purpose and intent of the Sabbath. Jesus often showed that the Sabbath and particularly his teachings and actions on that day prefigured the coming messianic age, the time of the kingdom of God, which will be an age of healing, of freedom, and of restoration for all humanity. Now we come to the question, who was the Sabbath made for? Who was the Sabbath made for? Well, due to false teachings, there's a great deal of confusion about that. The Sabbath in Scripture is never called the Jews' Sabbath. It is never called the Jews' Sabbath. The Sabbath is not referred to in Scripture as Israel's Sabbath. It is referred to as the Holy Sabbath to the Lord. In a number of Scriptures, including Exodus 16, verse 23, and verse 25 and others. The Holy Sabbath to the Lord. It is referred to as the Sabbath of the Lord. The Sabbath of the Lord, Exodus 20 and verse 10. Leviticus 23 and verse 3 and other scriptures. God calls them my Sabbaths. In Exodus 31 and verse 13 and Leviticus 19 and verse 3 and a number of other places. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse 8, Matthew 12 and verse 8, the Son of Man, referring to himself, the Messiah, 
is Lord even of the Sabbath day. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath day. And He's the one that made the Sabbath day and is its Lord. The Sabbath was not made only for the Jews, as some allege. There were no Jews at the time it was made. The Sabbath was made for mankind, according to Jesus Christ in Mark 2 and verse 20, uh, 27, where he said the Sabbath was made for man. Mark, 20, uh, Mark 2 and verse 27. Requiring Sabbath observance is an important test, but it is not the only test that God uses to distinguish those who are willing to obey Him from those who are not. As we read in Exodus 16, verse 4, <clears throat> Exodus 16, verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. This is when, uh, uh, when uh, Israel was in the wilderness and God was going to feed them by sending bread from heaven on a daily basis while they were in the wilderness. Only he would send extra food on the sixth day of the week and he would withhold sending any food on the Sabbath day, the seventh day. By the way, this was not just some natural event that was occurring. This was supernatural. And it went on for about 40 years. Where for six days every week, there was food on the ground in the morning except on the seventh day of the week. And so God revealed to Israel the proper time for keeping the Sabbath. And it wasn't just any time, it was the seventh day of the week. As pointed out earlier, anyone can have a relationship with God if he or she is willing to repent of sin or breaking God's laws and begin obeying including obeying the Sabbath. Now we come to the question of when is the Sabbath? When is the Sabbath? Seemingly never tiring of excuses, some want to argue about when the Sabbath is. So how do we know which day is, in fact, the, sab the seventh day? <clears throat> how do we know when is the seventh day? as though that were something difficult. Exodus 16 rehearses how God revealed to Israel in the wilderness which day is the weekly Sabbath. Now, in fact, Israel at that time had lost track of the week, the weekly cycle, and they did not know when the Sabbath was. They had been in slavery in a foreign land that worshipped idols and, in fact, had a 10-day week. So God had revealed to them when the weekly Sabbath is. The Levites among the Israelites were given the responsibility 
for preserving the Hebrew calendar. And the Sabbath was kept from that time forward by some Israelites, although not by all, from that day to this very day today. The Sabbath has been perpetually kept since that time. The Jewish nation continued to observe the Sabbath and maintain the calendar after their captivity in the 6th century B.C. up to the time of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ kept the Sabbath on the same day as other Jews kept it. The revelation of which day is the Sabbath is preserved in the Hebrew calendar, which has been maintained among the Jews since ancient times. And also the revelation of which day is the Sabbath is preserved in the history of the New Testament church. There have been Sabbath-keeping churches in various locations around the world from the New Testament era until today. I have a list of quotations from various sources documenting Sabbath day observance in many centuries in many places on the earth, such as the Near East, Africa, India, China, Persia, parts of Italy, Spain, France, parts of Eastern Europe, Ireland, and Scotland, and others. Some Sabbath keepers were early settlers among the English who came to what is now the United States. Most churches that reject the Seventh-day Sabbath and keep Sunday in its place nevertheless recognize that the biblical seventh day is on what they call Saturday and which is commonly recognized in the uh, calendar we use in the Western, much of the Western world as the seventh day of the week. Churches that turn to Sunday or to the first day of the week to worship, to have congregational services on that day, sometimes claim that their worship is on the eighth day the day after the seventh day. God never sanctified the eighth day nor the first day of the week as a day set aside for weekly rest and worship. He sanctified the seventh day. From the standpoint of Scripture and as the Jewish people have understood for millennia, biblical days begin and end at evening or when the sun sets. And you can... Take a look at Genesis 1 and verse 5, Leviticus 22, verses 6 and 7, Leviticus 23 and verse 32, and elsewhere to verify that. Also, many commentaries and, and uh, other sources will confirm that in the Hebrew calendar, used in the Bible, the days began officially and ended at, at evening. So the biblical Sabbath coincides with Friday sunset as we, uh, as the days are named in the common calendar, Friday sunset to Saturday sunset is when the Sabbath is to be kept. 
Finally, what is the meaning of the Sabbath for you? What is the meaning of the Sabbath for you? The meaning of the Sabbath for you may depend on what kind of relationship you want to have with the God who created you, if any. We've discussed who created the Sabbath day and why and for whom and when the Sabbath is to be kept. But for you, the Sabbath will have little meaning until you begin to keep it. It will have little meaning until you begin to keep it, except that by not keeping it, you are defying God's commandment and will suffer the penalty for doing so unless you repent. Keeping the Sabbath in a world hostile to God's law and hostile to Sabbath keeping is not necessarily easy. But it's also not impossible as there are millions of Sabbath keepers around the world. There are many benefits and blessings God promises to those who keep the Sabbath faithfully and obey His laws. In Isaiah 58, verse 13, Isaiah 58, verse 13, it says, If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor Him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, by not finding your own pleasure means apart from the enjoyment you get from properly keeping the Sabbath. Uh, then it goes on in verse 14 to say, Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. You shall delight yourself in the Lord. You'll have a relationship with God, a meaningful, full relationship with God by, by obeying Him, by keeping the Sabbath. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, which is the kingdom of God, by the way. If you want to come to know God more perfectly and honor Him and be honored by Him, keep the Sabbath. 